Three, two, one. We're live, man. How you doing, boss? Doing good, man. How you doing? Can't complain, man. Can't complain. I'm happy that you're on the show, man. I, I know our schedules have been crazy. <laughs> uh, yes, they have. <laughs> to say the least. To say the least. But um, for the folks out there that are listening to the audio version, uh, Chris, if you don't mind, you can you tell us a little bit about how you got into tabletop gaming and how you got into D&D specifically? Wow. Um, you want the long answer or the short answer? We got time, man. So whatever you feel comfortable with. Uh, yeah. I mean, okay. So, I mean, we can go back to the beginning. I've been a, a filmmaker and okay. you know, writer, director for a long time, storyteller my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've done dozens of uh, scripts and outlines for TV shows and kept trying to get them picked up and kept trying to get them you know, get some sort of money or funding or backing to shoot a pilot and, you know, stuff would start to get traction, but then would fall flat. So, you know, would table it and try something else and table it and try something else. Um, long story short, about three years ago, I moved back to the Bay and got a job uh, okay. and they were, um, uh, my boss and some other people were playing D&D. They're like, hey, you want to play D&D? And I was like, D&D? You guys still play D&D? No idea. Right. The last time I touched uh-huh. D&D was 97, 98, you know, first okay. and barely second edition. Right. Yeah. It was a lot of homework. It felt like school, but it was kind of fun because nobody wanted us to do it, you know, and it mm-hmm. wasn't cool, obviously. Um, but I was like, yeah, sure, I'll play. And I played and I fell in love. And I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. This is nothing that I remember. Right. This is all story driven. You know, the, all the rules and all the numbers and things were kind of felt the wayside. And this was very engaging and I was like wow this is really cool so then I started going online I'm like okay let's look up some D&D stuff you know I found uh, a couple different YouTube uh, you know streamers that like broke down each character and like how to make a character sheet and how to use D&D Beyond I'm like oh this is really cool and then I found Critical Role yep Um, and that was it. I mean, I've, I've talked to a lot of people about this and everyone jokes that if I ever meet Matt Mercer, I will probably faint or cry. Um, because I probably swoon and then like faint. (laughs) Well, he, he saved, he saved my life, man. Like I was in a really dark spot. I was ready to give up being creative and just do the normal, you know, boring nine to five. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I found critical role and, you know, Mercer is like a month or two older than I am. So we grew up with a lot of the same pop culture references, a lot of the same mannerisms and all those things. So, you know, I binged a whole lot of critical role and like, Oh my God, I need to do this. Yeah. So I spent like a few months taking my entire life's work of uh, content and creativity for all these different TV shows mm-hmm. uh, that took place on earth, you know, um, and just started flooding this world that became Ukador, which is my homebrew world. And like, so it's been like literally my whole life's work just flooded yeah. into Ukador. Now I have, you know, eight continents and cities just completely done. Um, you know, I, I ended up flooding it more a little bit later with, uh, like, it's completely done map now. There are cities and regions across the whole world. Now it's a completely fleshed out world map. But then I, you know, I, I was still very connected in the San Francisco Bay Area actors mm-hmm. and directors and stuff. And I made a post on Facebook. Still today, the biggest post of my life. Hey, guys, I'm looking to DM some, uh, you know, a D&D campaign on Twitch. Anyone interested? Mm-hmm. 485 responses i was like oh dang okay there okay. might be yeah there may be some interest uh-huh just a little <laughs> well because a, a lot of these actors and actresses like they've been on film sets with me and they feel the passion and they feel the excitement they're like yeah let's let's you're gonna do this let's do it 
so you know i i picked a couple of friends that i knew and then i picked a couple of people who were friends of a friend people who i've never met uh gw mm-hmm. i don't know if you know gw he's one yeah. of them he's still with the network um we started playing D&D. I never DM'd a game in my life until we did, you know, episode one on, on Twitch, which oh. happened to be with a different network. Eight, eight episodes in, we decided we want to do our own thing. Okay. And then we left and started our own thing. We made affiliate in like 10 days. Nice. Uh, we applied for partner within six months. Um, Twitch and partner and tabletop is kind of a funny gray area. So we kind of just... I think we still have the numbers for it, but like, it's not an intention of mine to just like apply for partner and do the tap dancing. So we're going to keep doing what we do. Um, okay. If they want to give us partner, they give us partner. That's not our focus anymore. But, so could yeah. you act, could you go into detail a little bit about the differences from that perspective? Um, sure. So like for the folk for, cause like I know for myself and for the folks maybe listening, like there's so many different steps from, you know, just streaming then mm-hmm. becoming an affiliate and then becoming a partner and whatnot. Yep. Like, how could you walk us through that process a little bit? Sure. Like, um, I can't remember the specific numbers for the different levels, but essentially once you become an affiliate, you can actually be paid to be a streamer. People can donate uh, bits for certain things. They can subscribe um, and you can start building your community that way. Uh, Twitch takes 50% of anything that you earn. 50% Mm -hmm. of anything that you earn. So every $5 subscription, Twitch, Twitch takes 250 it's the platform. It's the community. You know, we've, I've tried streaming on YouTube or Facebook or Mixer before, the same. before, before they killed it. It's not the same, yeah. not even close, especially for tabletop because there is no tabletop community anywhere else except for yep. Twitch. Yeah. Um, you know, and then, you know, once you get to the point where you can apply for partner, you hit all these different thresholds. You have to have an average viewership pretty high to even just apply, but then, you know, they have to, be so substantial. You have to stick out so much to where then they would either accept you or deny you. Um, and there's a lot of other variables too. Um, I actually don't know specifically what perks you get when you become Twitch uh, partner um, other than what's public. There's a lot of things that aren't public and not, and, and, and are public. Interesting. You know, I know like when you look up D and D on Twitch, first you see the partner streams yeah. regardless of what their numbers are. And then mm-hmm. you see all the affiliate streams, right? Mm-hmm. And everyone is sitting around 30 people. Every single, you know, D&D table stop thing is like 15 to 30 people. That's, that's the threshold. And anything oh. that, anytime that you get to like 60, 65 live viewers, organically, you jump up. You'll spike yeah. up to 80, 90, 100 because they're like, oh, what's this? This is different. It has more views than everybody else. Mm. But for more times than not, we are usually the top um D stream on affiliate sides um sometimes we have more viewers than the partners that are doing D on those specific days depending on the day yeah but um yeah it's an interesting thing I, I think that the numbers are better i think you get more like front page plugs uh i think when you become that partner you get more vip perks i don't know okay. if you get more commercial stuff I know you get more emotes, but there's a lot of third-party pro- programs out there that let you get more emotes and the community can engage with emotes and all that stuff too. But Gotcha. Um, yeah. That's pretty and cool. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say that that's pretty cool because especially with the Twitch community, I, I feel like that's really, it's a different community than like the Instagram community and the YouTube community. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, you know, the folks from like WebDM, those guys have mm-hmm. a great YouTube community and like Twitter community 
versus like the folks from like Incarnate, which I don't I know you, mm -hmm. we've talked about them before. Like Incarnate has an amazing Reddit community, which is kind of yeah. ironic because Reddit is its own monster. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, I keep telling those guys to get a discord, but they, they really yeah. do. They need a discord. That would be so just to be able to collaborate and like kind of mm -hmm. pick each other's brains about certain mm -hmm. maps and stuff. Cause I know for my own homebrew world, I use them for, for maps. Um, but speaking about homebrew worlds, like with Ukador, talk to me yeah. a little bit about that. What was <laughs> your thought process when it for like, you, you said you kind of started converting some things, mm -hmm. really your life's work is in this. Could you kind of talk a little bit about it and, and, and sure. how it really kind of birthed into this thing where now you're yeah. streaming. Like I see a lot of your streams and stuff like that, which by the way, fantastic. I love the story and I love the concepts that you're creating in these, in these streams really. Yeah. Well, you know, Ukador is an interesting thing because our, our channel used to just be Ukador and it was just mm -hmm. my stuff and, you know, multiple my shows every week. Mm -hmm. uh, and now we're fabled 42. I only have one show a week. That's mine. Everything else is somebody else's show. So we yeah. have become this huge community, but you know, circling back to um, Ukador. So like when I created Ukador, I wanted it to be um, not just me putting cities on paper, not just me creating all this lore, um, you know, just on my own. So I've done a lot of organic creation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I partnered up, partnered up with Jason Russell of Critical Dice. He DM'd a whole mini series called Fables of Ukador, which uh, essentially all the folklore, all the really old history stuff of these heroes long ago in the first age of Ukador, we actually played that out. So now that lore lives cool. in the third age of Ukador, which is our main show, Realms of Ukador is in the third age. Um, and, you know, Cameron at D&D uh, Coalition and mm. a lot of the other others that I brought in for Origins of Ukador, which was the second age, which I told the origin stories of all these players and Ukador. So it's again, another campaign you know, a full season of content um, that created, started to create this lore um, that starts to tie things in, right? Mm -hmm. um, and we have a new uh, temporary miniseries called Wizards of Ukador, which I took uh, 15 players as wizards and they all went oh. to college and they did all these trials. We actually have our fourth episode, um, fifth episode on Monday. Um, but uh, essentially they go through these trials and then mm -hmm. there's different instructors and each of these instructors have, are actually in the game uh, for Wednesday's show, 3000 years in the future. So there's all of these lore oh, ties into cool. everything. Um, and which is really kind of a fun thing because we did a 24 hour dungeon crawl um, on 9-11. So yeah. I DM'd for 24 hours straight and it was amazing. I, um, I, had, I was able, I saw that dude, that was epic. <laughs> Like I, but, I was sharing it on my Twitch. Cause I was like, dang, like whoever's <laughs> up, any lurkers that are up on my, like it was, it was legit, man. Yeah. It, it was wild. And, and it was a blast having 23 players, you know, I got to kill players and not feel bad about it. And like, all right, you're gone. Let's get another next guy in here. But the fun thing about it was the boss at the end of the dungeon crawl, his name was Valtok. And coincidentally the Wednesday before 3,000 years later, Realms ran into some cultist who worships Valtok. Hmm. And now I've tied in Wizards of Ukador from the first age, Origins of Ukador because of who Valtok works with, and now Realms in a three-way thing. And so, like, everyone's like, wait. So, like, they're trying to figure out where the breadcrumbs are and tie everything in, but I'm building all this lore organically through other campaigns, which sure. is kind of 
really fun, you know, concept, but, and you know, my DM style is, I don't, I don't do a whole lot of prep, um, for each encounter or each, uh, mm-hmm. each session I've done all the pre-prep. So like I have all the cities built every single town in yeah. all of Ukador has a tavern, a, you know, blacksmith shop, a general store, a leather shop, bookstore, whatever. So I have like 10 different points of interest for every single town. And each one has a shop name an NPC, what the race and class is, how old they are, what they mm. look like, maybe a picture reference and what voice I use for them for all 250 cities I have in yeah. Ukador. And these are only major cities. So there's thousands of mini villages that I might throw in with, you know, random encounters or, you know, the veer off the path or, you know, or players or other DMs or community members are also creating content. So we're kind of doing this uh, together almost. And it's been a really wild experience. I really like your approach, man, because it's not something that you see often, you know, going back to critical role, like a lot of times we see Matt Mercer creating this epic world with his friends and we don't see the background, right? We don't see often the maybe one-off, you know, whatever that they had together to get to this place until obviously now it's been, you know, five plus years of Critical Role. And I I really like that you're showcasing all those little instances, right? You're showcasing the, almost the, like, the before, the during and the after and, and everything that's going in between. Oh, sorry. You kind of, sorry. Yeah. I'm having it, a little bit of internet issues it, it, here. It's, it's, no, yeah, you, yeah. Yeah, internet's fun, man, this tech world. Um, yeah, it, it's really exciting because then, you know, coincidentally, I um, had this huge art story arc for Realms of Ukdor season two. So my mm-hmm. pilot show finished this past August. We did 100 episodes, done, stamp it. 40 years later, we have a new campaign with ha- about half of the same players, Mm-hmm. Um, so new casts, new new characters, new story. We did episode uh, five or six this past Wednesday, and it was the very first episode of Rime of the Frost Maiden. So oh, now, nice. hold on a second. Uh, we're in Ukador. Mm-hmm. We're in a totally different part of the world, and yet we're doing a D&D Wizards of the Coast proper adventure. So I've taken the you know, the 10 towns and all the lore of the Rime of the Frost Maiden. I already had a frozen encounter arc for the next six months anyway. And then I read through Frostmaiden. I'm like, oh my God, this makes my stuff even better. So I'm just going to join the two. So I took my yeah. 30 quests and Frostmaiden's like, you know, 15, 20 quests and story arcs, merged them together in my world with my own town names, similar feel, similar things, similar quests, but now it's all intertwined in the actual storyline. And with all those other tie-ins I was telling you about, there's a big, big, big tie-ins, big spoilers in our current story arc, you know, Rime of the Frost Maiden, uh, that ties to all of those other lore points. So it's kind of this really awesome, you know, spider web of just storylines and arcs and backstories and everything's kind of coming together and into, you know, it's it's pretty wild to watch happen. But yeah, we, we did our first episode on Wednesday, which is pretty do, wild. How do you coordinate all that? It's a great question. Um, <laughs> I, I think I'm a robot. Okay, and um, and just with a flesh overtone. Something like that, right? So, mm-hmm. trying to reach with my, I'm plugged in. So what what I did was 
is I, I don't know if you looked at Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. I've looked at it a little bit. I actually have yeah. a video that uh, I did a review on it, and I liked oh. it. I liked oh, it so amazing. far. It's amazing. So you know how it's the ten towns are around three different lakes. Correct. So Correct. Um, I'm not going to show you too close because there's some spoilers in here. But this is my frigid expanse, right? Okay. Which looks like a giant lion head. But I have all my ten towns that are all coastal towns or around the bay. Um, that now. I've taken those maps and I photoshopped them. So that I turned them just so, you know, okay. logically they look like they're in the right spot. Yep. And all of a sudden it's the same thing. And now I have all these pages like that. This is what one of my towns looks like. So these are all the different, you know, shops, the mm -hmm. names and all that stuff. And then I have notes and then I have a digital version of all this. For sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's what I did. I took, I took, a, took me about a week to take all the content from Frost Maiden and throw it into Ukador, what I already had, um, and, you know, do hyperlinks and stuff to the, you know, the D&D Beyond books. Mm -hmm. So if I do want to reference, like, you know, one of the first quests is um, Cold Heart Killer, right? He's some guys killing people mm. with ice knives in their heart, right? Yeah, That's yeah, That's like yeah, one that's of the right. initial quests. So I, <laughs> my party, they... Um, they were chasing like spirits of people that they love and they were very confused and they failed their saves and they ran through this portal without even te testing the portal, which I was like, as a DM, like, thank you. That was really easy. But yeah. so they were, they were in like a desert, you know, arid climate and they went through this portal. Boom. It's negative five degrees and they're in the frigid expanse. Here comes frostbane. So it's culture shock. Um, they don't even know all the languages because most of these characters don't speak, you know, human yeah. common their their common language is orc so like they don't even know how to speak to these humans and elves which is kind of entertaining um but they happen to show up the night that this cold hard killer killed a bunch of people and obviously mm. newcomers you guys Sorry. did it they're like what we didn't do it and then you know people cast zone of truth and they figured out they didn't actually do it um but it was um it was a very funny interesting way to get them tied into this now story and they feel invested. And they also found out that the rhyme doesn't allow them to leave magical through magical means and winter's about to start, which means you can't leave by boat. So they're stuck, um, stuck for six months so we can finish this campaign arc and sure. you know, go everywhere else, which they're totally on board for. So it's, it's been a wild experience, but you know, these, these campaigns, they, they slide in really easily in your homebrew world because I did that with, um, uh, Tides of Ugador, which was my pirate miniseries, and yep. we did we did a couple levels of the Dungeon of the Mad Mage, which was kind of fun. So it was a pirate boat version of Dungeon of the Mad Mage because yeah. who cares, right? It doesn't all have to be right underneath Waterdeep. You know, you can go out to one of those islands on the outskirts, and there's the entrance to this underwater dungeon that's connected yeah. to the Mad, Mad whatever. It doesn't matter. You and can it, copy and paste yeah. anything. You can copy Absolutely. and paste any part of the adventure and put it in your homebrew. I've talked about exactly. it a lot of times on this show where, you know, for myself, at least what I've done is when I want to try out a new module, right? Like mm -hmm. Eberron. I, I really like the Eberron uh, setting. I think it's really cool. I think actually one, one that I'm really excited for is Dragonlance, but that's a whole different, uh, oh, that, that's a conversation for later because um, so I'm exciting. really excited for Dragonlance. <laughs> um, when they yeah. finally release that spell jammer, I mean, any of those would be great. But in my, in my campaign, in my world, I have the world of Ecopia and it's all set. You know, I have all these mm -hmm. different continents and all these different kingdoms. And right now we're really in the second age. 
what would be the similar your, to, to your timeline and your, I guess, measurement of, of time. We're yeah. in the second age where big war just finished, just pretty much this major yeah. battle. The big, bad, evil person is defeated, let's just say. And the remnants of that ripple effect, those who were allies with this person, yeah. you know, what's going on with that? Who is, you know, those allies are, have they been exiled? These are questions that the players, you know, yeah. should ask, should think about. But when regarding like Eberron, I took my players through it. I took my players in a, in the sense that they, something happened where they touched an item from this big, bad, evil person, but that NPC was from Eberron originally. And because oh, my big, bad, yeah. evil person, he's the Lord of time and he's out, like he created time. Yeah. He can pull minions that he wants from time. Spoiler alert to the, to my players playing, but um, <laughs> that that's his thing. He's kind of like Kronos from Greek mythology, but he actually yeah. controls and creates time and he can step outside of time if he wants and he yeah. can go into any type of realm. So, you know, within his power of time. So that's how I was able to kind of hook that in. And I, and I think that that's a great way to incorporate the official like D and D stuff yeah. and try it out as a dungeon master. I, I think everyone Absolutely. should try one module in their D and D yeah. career. I mean, Rhyme of the Frostmaiden is a really good module to start. And, you know, I, we actually had this conversation yesterday during one of our talks was mm -hmm. someone was like, well, I'm a new DM and I've never DM. Should I do Rhyme of the Frostmaiden? And I was like, mm, I mean, you could maybe do one of the starter, you know, the, the starter modules, you know, but yep. maybe do Rhyme of the Frostmaiden before the rhyme starts. So your adventures okay. go over there and you get to this place and it's not too crazy yet. And then the rhyme happens. So then you're there real time. It's a little lower key where it's not so like horror and intense and all these crazy things. Yeah. But Rhyme of the Frost Maiden has created the sandbox world with, I think there's like 20 quests in there and there's a bunch in the 10 towns. So like there's a lot of content yeah, that you don't have is. to do anything for. It's all spelled out for you. It's really easy. Like why not? And it's a fun thing. And it's, you know, I got some of the cool minis and, you know, I don't know if you know, people are into the minis or not, but like, Dude, I, I'm a mini connoisseur. So yes. I'm, I saw some of that stuff, man. It looks good. <laughs> I, I have a problem. Um, no, I have a, I have a no, big... You're, just, uh, you're a collector, bro. No, no, no. You don't have a problem. <laughs> you're a collector. Uh, I, uh, I have a, a big uh, uh, unboxing thing on Tuesday, actually. We're giving away Ooh. doubles and stuff. Because I, mm -hmm. I already have some of the Frostmaiden stuff. So I already have two of the big uh, abdominal yetis which are amazing. And I uh, might take one more, but I'm sure I'll get another one. So I'll be giving like a ton of big stuff away. But yeah, I mean, it's Rhyme of the Frostman has been pretty wild and it's, it's the players are having a blast and they're, <laughs> we had a, a social dilemma yesterday, actually, mm -hmm. when I, I was kind of trying to make a statement um, and they went to a leather place to get like leathers and furs. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, what do you have? And I'm like, okay, we have owl bear and dire bear and then we have tabaxi and human skins as well. And they're like, what? <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, it's the rhyme, right? So technically yeah. they've been in winter for years. You know, there's not a lot of wildlife. There's not a lot of things. So if someone dies by natural means, they're recycling, you know, yeah, whatever. Of course. And they had a total problem with it, which I actually had it set up as an encounter. Like I was ready to like throw down in this leather shop because they were going to have a big issue with this and the guards were going to come and all this crazy stuff. But they handled it well. 
but I was, <laughs> I was telling them like, well, the, you know, there's no difference between a uh, owlbear trying to survive or a human trying to survive. If either one dies, we reuse the uh, pots and, you know, we all survive. And they're of like, course. what? <laughs> Which and is it was... great. <laughs> it's great because it brings tension in, in into oh, that storyline. And I mean, yeah. I see like I would, that's the type of stuff I want to see. Like as a viewer, I want to see that because I want to see how the players react. Cause obviously like you, you'll have the, the folks that are going to draw blades and going to, mm -hmm. you know, they're going to want to smack down well, essentially. You know, the, one of the, the, the disclaimers I tell all of my players and I look first off, you know, you have your, your session zero session zero or whatever. And you're like, Hey, what are some things that you don't want to do ever? For sure. Okay, cool. Then I'm like, okay, I'm going to make you be happy be sad, be angry, be infuriated me. You're going to hate me. I want you to cry. I want you to feel emotion. So like, I'm going to be pulling on all of these things. For sure. As you should. Um, as I should. And the, the emotions and the role play that I get out of my players is just amazing to watch. And if you watch even just this last session, it was fun, phenomenal. But the session prior, um, they had, they, they were told that these trolls were killing people and, you know, they were asked to exterminate them. So they go up to this mountain and, and they're looking in this cave and someone has a lantern of revealing. They're looking around. They see a big troll sleeping. So they quickly tie him up and then two other trolls come out and defend the home. For sure. Well, they, kill, they killed the mother of this, this, the troll and she's burnt and dead. And then as they're killing the little one, like literally the rogue is on its bag, like stabbing him. He's <laughs> reaching out and he says in giant, mama. Oh. And one of and one of my players is a fear bulb and she speaks giant and she was like ah! and then she immediately healed him and then healed they healed the mom and they brought him back and they find out that they're actually Raikou, which are my like evolved trollkin that oh, cool. are sophisticated, intelligent, they speak multiple languages, they're traitors, they just moved south, and then they found out that these trolls weren't killing people, but they killed the people who were killing people, and then it gave them another story beat and they went a different direction. Oh. But you know, in my mind, because we ended after they killed those two creatures. So we mm -hmm. ended with me saying, Mama. And I didn't say it out loud. I just sent her a private message. And she, she turned red and she was like, no. And then we, that's what we're going to call it. So then my whole thought process that week was like, oh, my God. If they killed this, the dad who's, who's sleeping because someone cast sleep on him. If they kill him, at what point do I tell them they killed a totally innocent troll family that had nothing to do with that? Do I ever tell them that? Like, do I, do I just destroy their brain by saying, hey, you guys murdered somebody that you shouldn't have? Because I told them in the beginning that this is going to be a very strong role play campaign For and sure. you don't have to kill everybody. No. That is your choice, right? That is your choice. You don't have to be a murder hobo. Oh my God. Like it's, it's something in our psychology though. Because like, have you ever played uh, the old video game called Postal? Yes, way did, back. Did you ever beat it? No. So I beat it. So, spoiler, it's really old, guys, so it doesn't matter. But, it, it, you know, you wake up in, like, a trailer and your girlfriend's gone or something or your wife is gone, and you look around and you see weapons and drugs and stuff and, like, you're tired or whatever, and you just pound a beer or you, like, do drugs and you have energy and you run around and you follow all these clues and you ask people questions to find out where your girlfriend went. But the whole time, it's always like a trigger and you just kill somebody and then you're like, oh, and you kill somebody and you go around and you go around and you go around. So you, you murder hundreds of people and do all these drugs and do all these illegal things and you get to the end and she was just like at a doctor's appointment and literally it says at the end that you beat the game. Um, it says, 
You could have completed this game without doing any drugs, alcohol, breaking the law, or killing anybody. You just went postal. And I was like, what? <laughs> wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold up now. Yeah, so you didn't, even, you didn't have to do anything. You could have just walked around, asked questions, and eventually found her and beat the game. It would have been boring, but we're all, you know, whatever. But I was like, oh, my God, you got me. You got me. I'm done. That, that raises a really interesting thing where it's like, okay, <laughs> are we almost conditioned when we play video games or just any type of game to, like, become a murder hobo? I think so. I think initially anyway, I think they've gotten away with it with good stories, you know, Mm -hmm. things like, I mean, Skyrim is borderline still murder hobo because you just get bored, you know, or the same NPC saying the same line. You're like, oh my God, stop saying that line. And you just hit him. Yeah. Um, But there's this, the power struggle, right? So like old, older games prior to that, you walk around and you do things. If you have the ability to punch or hit an NPC, you do that because you can't do it in real life. So people start to mm-hmm. like act out things that you, you know, your boss. That they want to Yeah, your boss you've never liked before and he's just a jerk and you see an NPC that looks like your boss, you're like, Ooh, and then yeah. boom, you know, you hit him. So you <laughs> start to get all this stuff out, which is therapeutic, I guess. But um, yeah. And it's I a think, form of therapy, you know, yeah. It's a form Maybe. of therapy. But, I mean, if you want to be a murder hobo, then you go play Call of Duty, and then you'll get destroyed, and you'll be like, all right, that's out of my system. Let's go do something else. Like, that's kind of the thing. You play, you know, those crazy MMOs that, that people play 12 hours a day. And you, and you get destroyed by, you. like, a 12-year-old in, like, in man, Call of Duty. Don't say that, man. I used to be really good at Halo, and I did Halo tournaments, and I was, yeah. like, top 20 in the world. Oh, and nice. And there was an 11-year-old Japanese girl who was destroying me and heckling me in the earpiece. And I'm like, oh, God, I can't even. Like, I would spawn. I'd be looking around like this. And I get sniped. I'm like, dude, oh, my God. I haven't touched Halo since. It was crazy. I remember playing it in college. I remember when Call of Duty, like, came out when they were – it was the Vietnam era. Mm-hmm. And we played that like yeah. no one's business. It was, black, it was the first Black Ops. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah. And it was fantastic. And we just – it was so much fun. And then 12-year-olds – started wrecking face and we were like, huh, well, yep. GG, GG yep. everyone. Exactly. And then we went back to like 3.5. Yeah. Our- well, I mean, yeah, we used to play Modern Warfare 2 when I was in Iraq and like, you know, between doing it for real and then doing it, you know, video games, yeah. we all thought we were really good. But you know what, if we're all like average players, yeah, you might be good in your average group. And then, you, then we came home where we could actually play online, destroyed. We're like, I oh. thought I was good at this game. And you're like, no, you're not. You play like four hours a day. That's nothing. You need to play what, like 16. What branch really... were you in? Uh, eight years Navy and four years Army. Okay. Awesome, man. Thank you for your service. Thank you. Thank you. And, um, and I was, you know, you mentioned the whole, uh, the murder hobo, which I, <laughs> which I find it kind of funny. Because, um, you know, with Call of Duty, like, yeah, that's the murder hobo game. Like, just go, like, if you want to just, you know, blow off steam, go for it. Yeah. But, I like games like World of Warcraft, which again, I think it's, I think it's very popular within our community even because it's, it's, I don't know how much role play you can actually do in the regards of serious role players. Cause you know, there's dude, I remember playing and someone asked me to be their girlfriend. Like I have like, it's just, you just get random. Oh dude. I I was a beta tester for a while before it came out. Like, Oh nice. That's actually where I got my nickname solo from originally anyway. And so, yeah, I've played a lot too much WoW. I've played a lot of WoW. But it's, depending on which server you're on and what groups you bump into, like, there's really, like, you know, I, we had one of the biggest guilds that were out there, and it was, like, this huge group of 
people and family and it was awesome talking to people and you know, running all these things and you know people would have pretend relationships or whatever and all these like weird things that were going on and it was sure. fun but then yeah you get like weird weird things and you know i you know i would get so bored i would i was a um uh a blood elf rogue and i would go over to like one of the alliance new areas you know where people were like power leveling yeah themselves so you know they have two computers because you see like the level the high level guy run around and kill everything and you see then you see the low level guy stop moving and then the high level guy stops moving low level, low level guy runs around and starts doing stuff yep. so i would be invisible waiting for the high level guy to go over there and go yeah and just kill his low level guy <laughs> and then you would see him cussing and yelling and i just laugh um but <laughs> you know the, the murder hobo thing is an interesting concept because like i do um i've done a lot of D D camps for like 10 mm. to 12 year olds every one of those kids man I, yeah and even one of those kids wants to kill old people like legit just old people not just it's, like it's, regular shops it's keepers. weird it's the old people so like they see an old man in the forest who was just an old man who had a quest for them they're like i want to kill him <clears throat> what so you know it's my job to try to like navigate that and be like hey yeah. we're not killing old people kid um so i'm like okay he's a he's a he's a fucking wizard now go go go, go kill i didn't tell him that i'm like yeah he, oh yeah go ahead go kill him and i'm like then i'm looking up wizard stuff i'm like okay cool polymorph um you know okay like you know make a make a save and they're like what like, now you're a rabbit they're like what i'm like you try to kill an old man he's a wizard and he's turned you into a rabbit oh and i'm like I, I gave him ptsd now so like every other time he sees an old person he's like what and he's like no no we're good, we're good sir we're good sir and he like runs away and i'm like no well, you know what? At the end of the day, like, the spectrum. <laughs> it, it's happened. I've done it. To, I have done it multiple times, man. And you, you kind of have to just because, uh, man, I had a, I had someone on Instagram. We we're talking about TPKs and we we're talking about all this other stuff. And, you know, I'm not, I don't want to say who the person was, but basically said that the advice I gave was crappy. And it was like, <laughs> they use other choice words. Of course. And I'm like, okay, well, let's, you know, let's take, let's really take this into consideration because folks who, and again, it's the same theory, at least this is my opinion, the same theory for the folks who want to kill that old person randomly because they, that's just what they want to do yeah. versus the person that, and the person that wants to go into an encounter thinking that they can actually win it and you yeah. can't win that encounter. Some encounters are not meant for that. Hence the reason it. like yeah. as a DM, sometimes it's like, okay, I have to balance the encounter as much as I can. And, but if the player does something, they do it. Yeah. And the dice, the dice decide, but if the player goes in there and you, and yes, you've balanced the encounter, you've done all these little check marks, right. Or you've had this NPC. That's just an old man, you know, chopping down some wood for his cabin. And then the player just goes in there and says, Hey, they, they start doing stuff. Well, yeah. you sometimes a little bit of, I don't want to say discipline because that's not the right word, but consequences. Yeah. Thank you. Consequences, yeah. cause and effect. You do yeah. something, there might be an effect. I mean, hey, someone sees that... you do it, they yell for guards. Now you have to deal with the guards. Like you just killed some old man, right? Yeah. Or you just killed an old man who is the uncle of maybe a crime boss who was just, Ooh. you know what I'm saying? Like now, now you're bringing in someone who just, oh, these, you know, it was spotted that these guys, you know, killed my uncle for some reason okay i'm gonna put a hit on them see that's the type of dm you. that i am i got you yeah no no i i love that i love that i mean there's so many times where my my players in the past they were fighting these goblins we actually had like like the tall toys 
like the you know like the little soldiers creatures you see yep, yep, yep. super awesome detail all this different armor attachments you can put on it so there was a huge huge goblin things that i had as giant goblin kin or whatever and they wanted to fight them i'm like okay it wasn't supposed to be an encounter it was supposed to be like oh shit here's a big giant thing we need to go because they're bigger yeah. than like frost giants and he's like i want to oh. hit him i'm like it misses they're like 25 misses they're like what i'm like yeah his ac is actually 28 they're like what so then they kept trying to fight him they were level like six i'm like guys you're supposed to run you're supposed to run Bro. and it was yeah it was terrible it and so, so as a DM, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with those players that just, it seems like either they, and again, I, I'm, 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 I'm caught in the middle, man, because I'm caught with, you know, the, the, the notion of let the players start a brothel if that's what they want to do in the world, Yeah. which that's what some of my players want to do. And I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that's their goal. They just want to have a brothel make money and that's it. But then yeah. you also try to balance it with some realism and you try to, you want to balance it with a really good story. Like you want a story that you want to tell and share. How do you balance that? How do you balance between those players who want to like well, kill that goblinoid? Yeah. You know, and it, it goes back to my DM style. So like I would safely say 90% of every one of my sessions is improv. I think there's only like 10% of outline. Like I know where they're going to go. I know who I kind of want them to talk to, how they get there. I make it up as I go because mm -hmm. I, I like the organicness, right? So like when I'm an sure. NPC, I'm a, I'm a method actor. So I, when I'm an NPC, I'm that NPC. I actually sometimes forget that I need to DM. So I'm like, I'm in the story and I'm telling them all of these secrets. And then, then I happen to look at the time. Like, oh shit. Um, and then uh, what else you guys want to do? Like, you know, then I snap out of it. Yeah. Um, but answer to that is, I mean, there's only so many times you can pull punches with, yeah. with players. Um, you know, there's only so many times you can like muff uh, a save or something like guys get out of here, you know, like something like that. So there's a few instances. There's a few things that I do is I sometimes have NPC ringers as part of their party. So like, you know, one okay. of my players in the current campaign has a uh, wizard companion, which is a two-tailed white fox who speaks and is articulate and does things. And every once in a while, you know, he might notice something. So I'll make the players roll a perception check for him specifically. And then I'll jump in as a, as a player and say, I think there's someone coming. We need to go. And then they'll be like, oh, shit, let's go. And then th that kind of gets them out of whatever headspace that they're in. Um, but that one, t one thing in motion, when they were trying to kill these big things, they actually killed one of them, which I was super surprised, but there was two more that they were trying to fight. Mm -hmm. One of the players left the room to try to, to lure them out. It wasn't successful. The, the tank, the bar uh, barbarian only had one hit point and they dragged him out. Um, mm -hmm. But my plan was, is like, they like to eat their food alive. Like that was something I came up with in the moment. Like if they get you unconscious, they, they're going to like flick you and wake you up and then cook you live which would give the party some sort of chance mm, to get mm -hmm. them out. Right. So, you know, luckily, um, I mean, they've put me, uh, the players have put me through a couple interesting scenarios, but you know, we've navigated it really well. Um, and they'll never know if it was something that I came up with prior or something I came up with in the middle of it, something that they came up that I'm taking credit for. Like they'll never know which direction I went, but, and that's kind of the, the beauty part of the, the storytelling and, because I've created this world, mm -hmm. it's my world, it's their story. Mm. So oh, I've, okay. I've taken that, that, that psyche out of my brain that it's not my story. So I am not offended if they don't go 
the direction I want them to, or if they talk their way out of uh, an encounter, those are just plot points that I'm putting in the way of their story. So then they have ownership of the story and I don't, I'm not, I don't get bogged down in the details of that story because it's not my story. Like mm. I have, I have things going on and events going on in the world that they can choose to or not to take part in. They're mm. mostly all lawful goods. So they're obviously going to kill the big baddie because they feel like that's the right thing to do, but that was their decision, not mine. So I think that mindset works for me anyway. I know it doesn't work for everybody, but it's because I know there's a lot of DMS like this is my story and I want them to follow suit and I'm like, yeah, well, that's fine. It's a railroaded story, but you know, some people like that, right? Some people like a very linear story that's like, I want to know what I need to do and do it. I don't want to yeah. talk to a lot of people. I don't really want to shop. I'll tell you what I want. You can give it to me and I'll pay you for it. You know, and I just want to go to these encounters, right? So and that works for people. Um, you know, Adventure League is a really big thing for that, right? So people like to yeah. do that just to, just to encounters. I want to do encounters. Yeah. I don't really want to bond with my fellow party members. I just want to kind of work together. I want to play like baseball, right? Cause like baseball isn't a team sport. I, I, I mean, I, I like watching baseball, but it's not a team sport. It's a yeah. bunch of individuals doing a common job, right? Like you're yeah. all working together, but you're not a team. You're not yeah. doing anything in sequence. Right. So it's kind of like that. So like adventures league is like baseball. And then like, you know, football is like regular campaigns, right. Where you have like plans and we talk about it and we strategize and you kind of, evolve every time that you do the next thing but that's a really good analogy too i never thought of it like that and and (laughs) and and i've played adventures league as well and it's i've never found my fit just because it was it was one of those i'm sorry it's it's hard it's hard to find a fit with yeah yeah it's difficult to really connect because a lot of times and again my the way my game store um does it 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 was it it was really great it was really efficient but it had to be efficient because it was like okay folks who were this level go here folks who are this level go here do all this stuff yeah and you don't really get to bond with those players you don't really get to find out their backstories and you don't really get to tell a story necessarily it's just like oh it's like a video game it's like a weekly video game that you get Mm -hmm. to play with a bunch of people so yeah there's some community to it but it, it almost boils down to like Magic the Gathering, which I love, you know, I used to play it a lot and, you know, yeah. a lot of my buddies still play it, but it's kind of the same thing, right? It, it, Adventures League is like playing Friday Night Magic. You accept yeah. instead of competing for a prize, you're kind of playing a game. Well, yeah, there, there's different focuses, right? So it's like XP sure. focused and everyone's yep. been maxed and this, you know, they don't care about backstory because they don't want to waste time because you don't get XP for playing doing backstory stuff. They're like, yep. oh, we want to do that. We want to go, you know, murder these people. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the direction, right? They want to complete a quest. And at the end, of, and, and again, we're not, we're not saying that, hey, if, if that's your style, that's stupid. No, not at all. Because if, if no. that's your, it's kind of like those folks, you know, going back to the whole World of Warcraft example, there's folks that yeah. play the, re, you know, that play retail. There are folks so, that play once a week, all they want to do is play two, three hours a week with their yeah. friends, hang out, you know, maybe do a quest here and there. And, and that's yeah. it. Nothing, nothing too crazy. And then there are the folks that, you know, continue to play classic, right. That especially now that, um, which by the way, classic, I, I, Nope, 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 Nope. I'm taking it out. I don't even want to, I don't even want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, it was, I, I will admit I was one of those people that, that downloaded it when classic came out, like, mm. And 
Fable 42 would tank if I did that. That's Dude, the scary thing. The bearded nerd would not be the bearded nerd D&D. <laughs> it would just be me streaming WoW. Like, uh, yep. that's all I would be doing because, yep. like, I played with a buddy of mine. He's my DM, Sam. Um, and him and I, I think, grinded for, like, eight hours, probably. Yep. Like, we, yep. we broke night. And we thought to ourselves, holy shit. Like, what are we doing with our lives? Like, we're both... <laughs> like- so so my my real quick wow story so you know beta test for a while so i got to do a lot of things for a while before anyone else got to so then how'd you do how'd out, you even get to beta test by the way i'd like to... i don't even remember i it was a gig because i was doing paid i was doing paid beta testing a while back so when i was getting out of the navy i was going to school to be a game designer so i was kind of in that world like i was okay. uh, um doing i was internship at midway before oh, they went nice. bankrupt like the seventh time i don't even remember um, and they kind of backed out of that because, you know, I kept finding out that all these amazing game designers, if your game flops, for whatever reason, you get fired. The rest of the team stays, you get fired. Like, yeah. you don't even get a second chance. I was like, whatever, what? So, like, if, the, if the, the programmer didn't do something right, then it's my fault. Like, I'm like, what? That doesn't make sense. Yeah, That's, that's why you guys are bankrupt. I'm done. But um, Bad business. Yeah, so I, I, get, I got to play the game before everybody else did, right? Like the nickname I had was Fly Swatter because I'd always find the bugs. So like it was nice. like, oh, this is broken. This is broken, which is kind of how I got into Vorpal boards. Like I've given them detailed beta test lists. Like, okay, when I do this, this happens. When I do this, this happens, which is like the evolution of the Vorpal board, which is what we use for, for D&D, mm-hmm. uh, has become what it is because I, 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 that's what I did professionally for a while. So when we all started playing in the first when the first iteration came out, like I was really good and everybody else sucked. Like they were terrible. So like we're doing dungeon instances or whatever, and they kept dying and I would just solo the dungeon. Oh, nice. Can you stop soloing stuff? And I'm like, no, I won't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I was a big fan of Han Solo and everything else. Uh, And then coincidentally, you know, uh, when I married my wife, we joined the names. Her last name is Saloma and my last name is Caravid. So our full last name is Saloma de Caravid, solo for short. So I'm like, perfect. Hey, there you go. But so like I would, I played well for a while. I maxed level, you know, three or four characters played for like six months straight. And I'm like, I, I need, I need to do other things. So then I, I sold my accounts and I was done. Yeah. Um, Burning Crusades came out. Yep. Bought two accounts this time. Power leveled myself, got a bunch of levels up there. Another six months or so sold my accounts. Mm-hmm. Lich came out. Yeah. I bought four accounts Three were for me. One was for my son, who's 22 now. And we all played. Um, maxed their level. I didn't sell these accounts. I kept these accounts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maxed the characters out and then took a, took a break for a while. And then I think the, the last, the big battle one came out. I can't even remember what it was. Battle called. for Azeroth. Yeah, that one. I think Pandera, the Panda one came out before that. And I didn't yeah, play Pan- that. Yeah, I Pandera came. Yep, yep, yep. But I was pretty much done. I didn't really want to get back into it because it was one of those things. It was, why was the first game? that um i you know get home from work six o'clock single you know didn't have a life ate dinner sat down played well all of a sudden i hear birds chirping what the fuck and i look outside it's eight o'clock in the morning where did the 12 hours go Uh like what just happened yep and like i'm i have to go to work and i didn't sleep at all i'm like oh my god what's going on like but that's kind of how i I do D and D now because that mm-hmm. immersion is yeah. why you stay. Like you're so in, you're into this. I mean, there's 
there's a lot of reported cases of child neglect, people dying, kids dying because the parents are just playing wow and you know whatever so all these terrible things that have happened but i was like okay i need to chill out a little bit i mean i have three games i mm-hmm. think it's only three there might be four uh three games that i have over ten thousand hours in it's minecraft arc survival evolved and world of warcraft damn um, dude i feel like there was a third one too or a fourth one too but i i i'm blanking on it right now but yeah i commend you on that sir because it, it's one of those things, and, and you know, I, I, I like the tie-in because World of Warcraft is one of those games, yes, you can have this beautiful state of flow, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden what happens is that, you know, what happens is that you, as the player of, you know, World of Warcraft or whatever, or even yeah. D&D, yeah. you become so immersed. You, be, you go into a state of flow. And it just, and, it, and that's what happens with really good stories and really good um, storytelling opportunities. And actually one question I want to ask you, because again, you, you brought up something really good was how do you as a dungeon master, because again, you said your world, their story, mm-hmm. yeah. how do you continue to facilitate that in a way where everyone gets to tell their story? Um, it's, it's balance. It's about balance. Mm-hmm. So the way I've described this before is all five of my players is like I tie, I nail a string to the wall in five different places, right? Mm-hmm. And I take all five of those strings and I grab them and I walk to the other side of the room and I start twisting. Okay. So eventually those five strings become one. Mm-hmm. So this is how I did Realms season one is they all had their own backstories um, that we would loop in every once in a while, right? So we would loop in their backstories so they felt like they were following some sort of thread come to find out the big bad at the halfway mark had to do with, you know, three or four of the members of the party. So they each had their own little story arc. So we kind of followed and then we kind of ventured through there. Um, and then they all felt like they were doing something simultaneously. And after they killed that guy, it was one threat. They were now mm-hmm. at the status. They just had this closure. They killed this big bad. They like, you know, killed or captured their, their loved ones. Um, everyone felt like they they did something together. Um, that was season one. Season two has been a lot different. So season two, um, I didn't go quite as crazy as I did with Origins, where I had five simultaneous campaigns, 35 player, player characters. You know, each character of my main story had their own party. So each yeah. play, each main player had five supporting cast members, essentially. Yep. And I killed 10 of them, you know, during this thing to give it a little bit more weight when, you know, these players come back or you hear about them, they have, we actually know their backstory. Yeah. So we did three session zeros, um, two, two and one. So, you know, as player one and player two, how did they meet in the world? Three, three and a half hours of just those two players from level one to three. So yeah, at the break, we leveled to two and then we leveled to three at the end of the game. So, how did they get there, you know, started to develop backstory. So now two players, I, I think Critical Role did something similar, but they didn't do it online. Uh, we're it, actually it about, was off, it was offline. It was all offline. So we recorded all three. I'm actually getting ready to uh, release the first one because we hit our Patreon goal. Oh, nice. Um, which is awesome. So you get to watch now what happened. Like, how did they meet? What, what, what happened? Like, what were these interactions? Because we, we know the, the aftermath. They know that they're close and they're kind of close. Why are they close? And if I had to do it again, I would do it probably one more a session so that each would have two sessions. So then you would have a little bit more, you know, 
character development before you meet the whole group. Mm -hmm. um, so if I had to do it again, I'd probably do that. And then the one player, she, she had a solo mission. So it was just me and her. We DM'd the game. A lot of NPCs. She cried twice. Oh, shit. Pretend, pretend characters that I created that then I put in harm's way. And she had very emotional responses to it and did not expect it. It was like, that was amazing. Where did that come from? Welcome to Ukador. <laughs> yeah, man, that's the thing, dude. Yeah. Like, and I know, I know from one dungeon master to another, like the senses are really important, especially even when you're streaming, you have to make sure that you can, um, that you can relate to those senses. So mm -hmm. although you're streaming and everyone's kind of in different places, how do you incorporate the senses into the storytelling? Are you using music? I know, I know I've, and again, we've talked about verbal board. Like I know that you used your own miniatures. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, you do have a beautiful collection, so you got to use it. Um, so how do you incorporate all those things? Well, I do, we do Sirenscape. Sirenscape has okay. the beta player, which all the players can download the beta specific player. I hit play on something, they hear it. Awesome. So they know that audio cues is something that I do. So if you okay. hear a wolf in your ear, there's a wolf somewhere near you. I'll hit the wolf button here. Oh, it'll howl. And what was you that? You got to look around. Yeah. You have to look around. I do that a lot. That, that's a lot of like cues too. So like if people are having really awesome role play, like during a night watch, but it's going on for a really long time and we kind of need to move. Um, I'll hit that button and that'll, that'll get them out of it. And then they'll stop RPing. And maybe we should go to sleep like, you know, or something like that. Right. Or maybe we should wake everybody up. So it, it kind of starts to motivate things. Um, but it's very light, right? It's just ambiance. Right. So, you know, they're in the, they're in the frigid expanse. I try to use as many descriptive words as I can to really just make you feel like it's freezing. The audio that you're hearing is like, you know, yeah, like that blizzard the cold type wind. blizzard wind. Yeah. And you're hearing like the crunching of footsteps and all that stuff. Um, and that helps. Um, one of the things that's challenging with streaming specifically, one of my players is now going to be handling the stream. So I'm not managing the stream while I'm trying oh, to DM nice. and moderating the chat. So that's going to be helpful, but we, you have this fine line, like either we are critical role where we completely ignore the chat because who can watch that damn chat anyway? There's 60,000 people writing something at the same time. It's, in, it's impossible. Yeah. But so either we ignore the chat and we are a hundred percent in our characters and doing our mm -hmm. thing, or there's like a, a kind of like you're immersed and then you kind of come out of it and you're immersed and you kind of come out of it, which I'm not a fan of personally, but I know that my community likes it. So we allow the community to, if they're subscribers, they can give luck and inspo to players. Um, people can donate bits or money to for healing potions yeah so, I, rem I remember that yeah, we did so, and, the... and, yeah and the easiest way to do that is to for me just to verbally say it so i break immersion because i'm just trying to give someone a luck and inspo quickly so we can continue with the story i used to be like perception check oh you find a healing potion on the ground but that still breaks immersion because it's still you know whatever so i'm trying to still trying to facilitate that because i want to honor the community Mm -hmm. But I also don't want to keep breaking immersion because then mm -hmm. like emotional moments were, were taken out. I mean, it's not the end of the world because we still, we're all really good actors. So we do kind of jump back into it really quickly. Like, you know, like, oh my God, thank you guys for those luck and inspo. Thank you so much. And then we get back into the story. Yeah. I don't know what's going on, but I don't like it. And everyone's right back into it. So that's kind yeah. of okay um, for now anyway. But I mean, I would like to get back into just like everyone's on the edge of their seat, like, oh my God, what's going to happen? For sure. What's going to happen? And then, ah, 
then something happens, right? And so, you also you yeah. also want to pay homage to the community that's been there for you too. So like you don't want to be that guy, but then yeah. you also want but but the thing is the folks are there because of your story. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like in order to it's give them twenty two for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that and that's the difference with a lot of other streams where like you said, mentioned critical role, like, yeah, they do ignore the chat and you got to, I mean, when you have X amount, thousands of and thousands of people watching your show, it's, you, you can't really, it's, yeah, it's so, so for, yeah, that, and that's kind of my mindset is like right now we have a hundred something people watching. I can, I can cater to th those amazing people that we have. We get to several hundred, a thousand. I'm probably not going to be able to watch the chat. However, we, we've done a couple 100% chat interacted, very relaxed streams, right? The dungeon mm -hmm. crawl was a huge relaxed stream. We're all mm -hmm. looking at chat, we're laughing at things. It's very casual, right? Um, we did a show called Choice is Yours. I don't know if you know or remember this, but my tagline when someone kills a big baddie is, the choice is yours. So you choose how to kill the creature, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's my version of how do you want to do this? Mm -hmm. um, which, is, which is the tagline that I've been using for a while. So we have a campaign called The Choice is Yours. I literally take my camera off like this and I will show people my, my battle table. This one actually has a really awesome winter city. Oh, dang, right? That's really sweet. So I have this huge winter city all set up. Right. But usually I would do that. Um, and I would show an empty table. Like, okay. look, empty table. We have nothing planned. Everything I do is like modular. So I build it to come. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. What characters do you want? Well, you know, what kind of uh, class and race do you want these players to play? The chat would chime in. So we would have a give and take, like, oh, I'm going to play a human warlock. Cool. Which, which thing? So we'd have this, this stuff. But before we would do that, so what we would do is I would say, okay, what are four interior things, um, interior encounters that these players might encounter? A mm -hmm. cave, a dungeon, a tavern, and uh, underwater. I don't know. Right? So these four. Cool. That's one, two, three, four. I'd roll a digital D4 online so everyone can see it. And that's one of the encounters I would pick. And then I would do the next one and then the next one and the next one. What are some creatures that we might interact with? So we've had crazy things like Ewok Village with um, Mind Flayer Sharks was one of the things. That's legit. Um, so, I, so what happens was is once I get the encounters and everything else, I then hand it over to the players and they create their characters with the, the audience. I mute. No, I, I usually don't mute. I turn my video off. I build the encounters while they're building their characters. 10, 15 minutes in, I'm ready to go. We jump into the story. So now awesome. the, the audience has built this, this thing. And it's actually been one of the most fun games that we've ever done because it was relaxed. We did all these crazy things. Um, and we all love the characters and it turned out to be some like a, a somewhat, you know, persistent campaign because we're wanting to keep doing it and everybody loves the characters so much. We just keep doing it. But it also taps into the thing where, you know, people say, you know, critical role is scripted. All your D and D shows like this, you're all scripted. I'm like, first off, I've worked with professional actors for 15 years. They don't remember their lines for shit. It's not scripted. <laughs> critical role is a big thing they might have outlines they might have an idea of what's going on who cares you like watching it who cares um i don't think it is because there's a lot of things that happen that's improv um but i don't care um either way i love them either way that they they look at it they are professional voice actors they know how to improv they're really good at it i improv 90 percent of my campaigns and no one would know unless i keep saying it right so like yeah. you're like oh my god how long did you prep for this uh 
three minutes. Like, you know, like I came up with this literally in this moment. Dude, I don't, um, I don't prep shit. I, I, I just, that's I how built... feelings get hurt. If you prep stuff, that's how feelings get hurt. So like, yeah, I brought in art. Uh, he's the Arthur of gaming on all the yeah. social medias. He's been on my podcast. He's an awesome yeah. dude. He's amazing. So art, uh, Vorpal board, river break and art are now part of fable 42, right? We absorb them. I'm in river break now. So this past Saturday, art had this really awesome, um, uh, camp this encounter. There's a ship in the water. There's all these giant sharks swimming around mm-hmm. and you know, I'm a fear bulb and I'm a college of eloquence bard. I would say the best bard out there. There's a thing called unsettling words where I could use a bardic inspiration and roll a D eight, mm-hmm. whatever that is, you subtract from your next saving throw. What? Oh shit. I've never missed on any of my spells because I usually roll like a six, seven or eight and he can't save. And I'm like, you're really ugly. You know that? And then I rolled a thing and then he, he's, Oh my God. He gets, <laughs> it, it was a very funny experience. And I, I, I felt kind of bad. So I ran up to the sharks and I used my fear bulk thing. And I said, there's shark hunters coming run. And then I made my check to persuade them. All the giant sharks swam away. Cool. We start swimming across the water to get to the boat. There's a roper that grabs us. Unsettling words, polymorph, goldfish. The goldfish falls into the water and swims away. And then we swim to the boat. Art's face. And I was like, oh my God, like, I am so sorry. Like, I feel like such a dick because I'm a DM and that's happened to me before. My feelings are hurt. Like my feelings were hurt for him. And I was like, damn, man, I'm sorry. He's like, I had this plan and, and the roper was going to grab you guys and there's giant sharks in the water and it was going to like throw you in the water and, eat, and you know, have them eat you. Mm. And I was like, hmm. And then I thought about just removing concentration because I asked him how deep the water was. Ropers can't swim. He would have sunk to the bottom, which is just as shitty. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it's when you, when you prep too much, I mean, it's okay to prep. Like I prepped this whole city that didn't even go to it. I like doing it anyway, so it's fine. It's, it's a cost benefit. It is. So it, I really love doing the miniature stuff, and I take cool photos, and I, and I post it. If I don't have anything else this week, I might leave it, and then they'll, they'll do it on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I get it. Like, there's, there, there are DMs who, put, like, prep for months for one one-shot, and then when no. things don't go the way they want, they lose their mind. And, I mean, I get it. But like you have to remove that emotion. Like you go ape shit, man. When you do, and it's kind of like, for me, this is the thing. I've I've created the world that we live in, in 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 Acopia, like you know the grand city of Legalheim, which is like this kind of like Western European kind of yeah. your classic, like oh you're you know what D and D was, and for okay. for yeah. folks. And it has a lot of Greek influence with um, the gods. And then Visdane is like your Norse, like, you know, these guys are like just badass, you know, Norse pantheon worshiping folks. And then you have Terracona, which is the, dra- oh, it's all dragonborn, right? All the yeah. dragonborn. And they, they have a very strict warrior code, very, very similar to Imperial Japan in the 17, 1800s. Um, I, I joke around because my undergrad is in history. So like nice. I just, I spent my whole time learning how to just be a really great world builder and, D, and DM. That's kind of how I justify my degree. Um, <laughs> but wherever my players want to go, if it's one of those three major continents or the Elysian empire, 
which is like think of Rome and gnomes and steampunk, and that's the Elysian Empire. That's so like, if they want to go there, they can. I never prep because at the end of the day, what do they want to do? It's their it's 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 in their hands, and that's given me more peace than oh my gosh, I need to prep this session and I need to prep this and do all these little things that. I'm relying on them to take that route versus, oh, yeah. they're actually, they went right instead of left. Yeah, and it's, it's not a video game, right? So like, yeah. you, you know, you're not having to complete this task to go to this task to go to this task, right? It's linear and you're expecting someone organically to go linear and you can't do that without being railroaded. And, you know, I've, I've told a lot of DMs this. I'm like, look, it's totally fine to, to plan encounters. You do have to plan encounters, especially dungeons yes. if you want traps and things. You have to come up with a plan, right? But if they don't go in that room, take that room and put it in your Microsoft OneNote book, mm -hmm. your spreadsheet, and pull that room another time. Yep. And it's there. Like, the prep work is there. It's done. It's Save not it. like they're going to ignore it completely unless they – like what I did with the Roper thing, like you, you completely ignored an encounter – um, but you were smart. So like, you have to like, there's been so many times, you know, you, everyone watch, watches Critical Role, right? Like there's been a few times where Mercer's feelings were hurt, whether he was pretending they were hurt or they were really hurt, they were hurt yeah. when the players were so smart. But here's the thing, especially their group, they all weren't advanced D&D players, right? No. Like Sam had no idea what he was doing in the beginning and he openly talked about it. But his bard evolved to this amazing character and he was really smart. And that's a moment where like, you know, I think Matt even said, he was like, no man, like you've come a long way. That was awesome. Like in, in talking about that, like uh, me as a DM, I'm, I'm tailoring, you know, these things for the players so they can evolve and grow. And that's the whole point. Like, why am I going to keep leveling if I keep made, being made to feel stupid because I can't complete this task or every encounter is really hard. Like you can't, you have to balance it. Right. So you have to let them yeah. feel like heroes and then break them down again. Like, nah, yep. you're not there yet. And you're like, yeah. oh, what happened? Um, but you mentioned a great example with Critical Role too. Yeah. Like Sam was not, I mean, when the battle of Vecna or with Vecna mm -hmm. happened, like when he used that counter spell, which mm -hmm. people didn't <laughs> like, yeah. like people don't realize that when he used that counter spell and he pretty much, and Matt's face realizing because he already, because again, his ex expertise of the game was like, oh, you're using your ninth, you're using this at ninth level, I believe it was, mm -hmm. to which replaced that wish spell, which would have wished um, Liam back. Spoiler yeah. alerts for those folks who yes. haven't seen it, but it's been a, it's been, I don't know how many years now. So, yeah, you've been warned already. You're fine. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's just like there's progression. But yeah. do you hate that as a DM? Like I love I loved seeing that progression, even if it's to my own demise, so to speak, yeah. from my NPC. Well, ultimately, you want them to beat you. At Absolutely. The end, right? You know, I toyed with the idea because I don't know. I'm gonna, I'll just move my camera. Like I don't know if you saw my final fight of, of season one. You see my five-headed dragon up top? Oh, damn. That's so beautiful. She's huge. Yeah, so it, it's, it's a, the biggest Tiamat thing that could be 3, 3D printed, but she's not Tiamat. That's Riha, who is my goddess of darkness. Ooh, so okay. she has 3,600 hit points, for example. Um, oh. She would destroy Tiamat. 
like, you know, not even thinking about it. So my players have a, a few beefed up weapons and things so they can collectively do, each of them can do like 300 HP damage if they crit, you know, per turn, yeah. which, yeah, yeah. so it scaled for them, but she's still a beast. There were a few moments where I was like, oh my God, I might actually kill my party. Like, what if I ended the campaign like that? TPK, bad guy wins. Like, would my players drive up to Oregon and beat my ass? Maybe, you know, <laughs> but as, so that was the first fight and then they ended up fighting Riha, the goddess. Um, and it was, and we've done like mythical melee, which is our level 20 battle royale thing, which is yeah, yeah, yeah. an interesting thing because not many people get to play level 20. But let me tell you this, trying to DM a god at level 20 fighting four or five or six level 20 players is really fucking hard. <laughs> remembering what your players can do, remembering all of your legendary actions, your resistances, your uh, spell, all the other tricks that you have to balance this encounter. There's so many things at the end of that fight where they did really well. I think only a couple of people got knocked unconscious and it was this big, big epic thing. They didn't kill her. Ooh. Spoilers, if you haven't seen Realms of Ukidor season one, that's a little sooner, but whatever, you're still going to watch it. Um, so long story short, Riha, goddess of darkness, used to be a god, a goddess. And then yeah. she fell from heaven and then met this other, you know, my Asarok or whatever, and he corrupted her and she became this evil thing. One of my players, everyone was destroyed. She cast Wish. I wish that uh, Jocelyn the White was free of Riha or something to those, to those things. So she literally freed the goddess so they didn't even kill the big bad at the end of the game they freed her which was even more mind-blowing and i was like i was literally like this just Holy like watching crap. my players do this amazing thing because they had like 15 hit points total all five of them six of them right oh, they had like man. no hp and she was gonna cast wish to give everybody max hp which would have, you know, gave us another episode for the finale and everything else, which is fine. I would have done that. Um, but she chose to do something different and it was powerful and it was out yeah. of control. I had no idea. Right. And their story is always going to be better than yours mm. because their story is our story. It's you and them creating a story, right? You're helping facilitate their story. So six, seven heads are better than one it always is better. Like it, it's always, I know, I don't know if it's always, but for me anyways, always seems like it it's is. better. They, they come up with really good ideas because they're all amazing players and characters and they really understand the, the story and all the things. And if you've done your job as a DM and they actually cared about Jocelyn. So like I did my job 30, 40 episodes prior, really selling how she's kind of the victim. She, mm -hmm. she fell, you know, they, this evil creature, you know, took her love away and then, you know, killed her and then brought her back against her will to be this evil thing. So they felt, you know, sympathy and compassion for this big, bad, evil, crazy lady who killed a lot of people. And then they saved her. What? Yeah. What? <laughs> like, wow. Wow. But that's what you want as a DM, right? Like that's, that's what you want. It, it's, it sucks and it's wild and it's weird, but that's, that's the epic ending of a story, right? And, that, that's like yeah. that's where that's where the trust in the players to tell their mm -hmm. story comes in, and you sit back and you watch it all unfold. Yeah. 
all you're doing is just facilitating everything else. <laughs> yeah. Let me, let me tell you an interesting, another interesting tale about Realms of Ukador and yeah, talk man. about trust. So I know a lot of people, when they create their campaigns and they come up with the arcs and all this other stuff, I came up with one scene. This scene was what flashed in my head. Um, and I built the campaign around this one scene that happened episode 16 of Realms of Ukador season one, right? All my players gave me pretty good backstories. I had to help with them to flush things out. They all had a typical like, my family was taken, I'm an orphan, or my family was killed, right? Those are like the three staples. Yeah. GW, um, uh, who played Jadobi, the druid, half-elf druid, his elven family was super rich and noble. His human family was super rich and, you know, well off. Everyone's alive, everyone's happy. He's like, I'm going to be a druid for 10 years. I don't, want, I don't want this money. I don't want this wealth. I'm just going to walk around and be a hippie. I like it. Cool. I like it too. There's no motivation at all in this entire campaign for you to do anything. So like, okay, so how do I loop him into the story? Episode one, <clears throat> they get to this, this foreign land that they were traveling to. They do this quest. They go meet the Duke that they did the quest for. And then the Duke introduces them to the Duchess. Well, the Duchess is Jadobi's youngest elven sister. GW was like, what? There's a niece and nephew that I made up, you know, uh, all this relations. He's like, oh my God where have you been what have you been doing all these things right um fast forward to episode like 11 or 12 we brought Bo, a friend of ours Bo, in he's dms on other streams uh he played ted the fighter which was really fun uh super skinny guy big glasses kermit the frog voice but like wearing his dad's armor uh-huh and he was wielding this big old great axe um he was like the personal guard to the duchess and the duke but the duke didn't like him and kind of treated him like shit but we brought mm-hmm. Bo on as like a guest mm-hmm. um and it was really fun the players loved him the fans loved it was great like five or six episodes go on and we get to this like end boss fight thing where Bo comes back to guests to help the party defeat these bad guys and these evil creatures come out and they're fighting all the creatures and Jadobi is like you know sisters behind him and he's fighting things and then you know Ted is over there next to him fighting things and then Jadobi hears his sister go Jadobi GW turns around Bo who is sitting right next to GW at the table has a knife in his sister's heart what? So it was also, it was also um, foreshadowed previously that he's wielding a dread knife and a dread knife steals your soul and sends it somewhere and you cannot bring this person back to life. So okay. Bo, as Ted the fighter, stabs his sister in the heart, casts a spell so everyone was like frozen in time. He monologued for a second and then his size got bigger, revealing that he wasn't this scrawny little guy. And he was the first big bad of my entire campaign. That was the first scene that I ever thought of for the realms of Ukador. Um, Eric threw his glasses on the table and looked at me and he was super red. GW was just like looking off in the distance. Everyone at the table was completely floored and shocked. Um, and Ted, who was sitting right next to GW at the table, which was hilarious, pulls up his binder and like, I'm, this is something, that you, you deserve this. You need this. You know, he's going through these things saying like, you need to know what pain is. And they're like, what? And then they kind of, they break free and they fight Ted for a second. But he had, he had Polar Master, he had Sentinel and Great Weapon Master. Oh yeah. That's... Couldn't even touch him. They yeah, couldn't even no. touch him. So Ted leaves um, and it reveals this thing, right? So his sister, which we also revealed, you know, 10 episodes prior, she does this spell and it causes this big giant, you know, emerald dome to protect the city, right? Mm. So orc attacks can't come through. It's protected. 
she's dead. You hear all these orc horns. Tens of thousands of orcs waiting for this moment siege the city. We had a double episode from 16 and 17, um, you know, fighting all of these orcs in this huge epic fight, epic battle. And, um, you know, all of these things were going on. And it was just like this crazy moment where they didn't even, a mistake I made was, as I should have let them like process that for a minute before jumping into this big battle. Mm -hmm. That was a mistake. But GW didn't talk to me for a week. Like in real life, he didn't talk to me at all for a week. About a week and a half, two weeks later, he's like, that was good storytelling, man. But fuck you. Like it was, it hurt, right? And then, you know, he ended up having like an alcoholic problem and he was like always trying to do drugs and things. And like, he was just checking out. Um, Fast forward, episode 34, 35. I can't remember what it was. Um, the, the players are fighting all these undead things in the city and they see a, a figure run into the darkness and they go chase after him. It's the Duke, you know, the husband to the, the dead wife mm-hmm. now with a black dread arrow in his side. And he's like, what are you doing here? You know, I'm hunting evil creatures. Get the fuck out of here. You know, mm-hmm. whatever. He's, he's mm-hmm. angry. He's vengeful. He was oath of vengeance, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, and then they see this big figure appear in the darkness. So where it was at the house we were at, I had a false wall behind me. So mm-hmm. I walked behind the wall to get a mini or get the battle set like I used to. And as I walked behind the wall, Bo, who they had no idea was in the house at all, came and sat in the DMC. And the table lost their shit. Oh, shit. And then I grabbed my book and I sat next to GW and I, I played the Duke while I let Bo DM the battle to fight Ted the Fighter. Ooh. So I trusted somebody else to DM a game in my streamed world damn but it was amazing though it was it was really it was i got to play with my players in their story yeah i actually got the kill shot which was funny because i'm this oath of vengeance paladin Mm -hmm. and bo and bo was playing the character a little reserved so the players couldn't hit him and he turned into this big shadow dragon it was all these really cool things that me and him kind of talked about but they couldn't hit him so i'm literally wasting my actions and bonus actions healing these guys i couldn't hit him so then, because of Oath of Vengeance, GW turned into this big, you know, eagle or something. I jumped on his back and I was holding my, you know, holding my, you know, on my turn. So once he got within range, I misty stepped from the back of that to the back of the dragon and did all of my smite and just, oh, I got nice. a kill shot and it was ridiculous. But being able to play with them to fight this creature, this big evil thing that they yeah. hated so much was amazing. It was amazing to do that. That's legit, man, because you don't see that often and you don't hear about it. You, you, you just don't. It's just, it's pretty, it's pretty vanilla at the end of the day. Like a lot, and, and that's where I want folks to understand that however you want to play D&D, the ideas that you come up with, it's entirely you. Like you should feel empowered to do it because it's your story, whether it's you as a player, you as a world builder, whatever it may be. And that's how, and again, going back to the world building aspect, that's how you build worlds. That's how you build story is by kind of taking that leap and going into that direction. Because who would have thought that again, a DM, I mean, you've been DMing for years and you've been DMing this stream for a while. You give the reins to someone else. And now it's like, wait a minute, like, how are you all working together? Like, but it didn't matter because the story is at the heart of it. Yeah. And it, it was, 
it was really powerful and to continue the spoilers obviously um is episode 46 they finally find jaron who is this the big bad he was the big bad at the halfway point he's the reason Mm -hmm. why all these people died he was the reason why ted went evil and all this other stuff they before they fought jaron they fought these three dread knights right so these huge knights all this armor fighting things right something that one of the players did triggered something in one of the dread knights and he stopped okay and then he made a save and then he took his helmet off and it was ted oh so i brought ted back as now a redemption paladin to fight alongside with the party to beat the big bad Oof. half of them didn't trust him for shit but he did a lot of damage so they liked him and that was what we did at um at a kubla con so we actually did a stream live at a convention and that was our kubla con stream oh it was shit. it was wild that's where they found you know like the big tarask uh, yes. mini yes. which it, let me tell you guys whoever's listening if you ever have a tarask it should be the size of your table it yeah. should not be this big let's no. just be real but anyway, they fought that Tarask Mini, which was just an oversized demon that they ended up fighting. But it was, man, was it ridiculous. It was super ridiculous, actually. Um, and it was amazing, though. It was super amazing that they they did all of those things. They worked together. You know, I got to fight with them. They got to fight those demons. They got to kill Ted. And then he came back, got re- redeemed, you know, and then died. Because once, once he killed the big bad, then he died. Yeah. And then, you know, we, we started the Victor, which is my Dracula story arc. And that was a whole other can of worms. But um, it was it was wild, man. It was really wild. And you know what's 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 even better is, you know, you know, I actually haven't been DMing that long, believe it or not. The oh, first really? time I ever DMed was episode one of Realms of Bukador. No shit. Never DMed before until I started streaming. Interesting. Um, so one of the biggest tips that I do tell DMs is like, if you have the ability, no, you have the ability. It's 2020. Your cell phones can do it. Record your sessions. Yes. Video preferred. Audio, if that's all you have. It's for you. It's not for anybody else. It's just for you. Because yeah, I've yeah. learned so much on how to DM. You don't have to I, stream I used, it. Just record You don't it. have to stream it. Just record it. Because I go back and I used to watch every episode five times. The first okay. time I would literally just watch myself. The whole stream. Uh, rules, rulings that I made. I was wrong. Um, things that would change, you know, little, little, little ticks, you know, I would, mm-hmm. I, I bite my nails. So like, sometimes I bite my nails. Okay. I got to remember to stop biting my nails. I need to remember to stop saying, um, there's nothing wrong with it. Mercer says, um, all the time, but you know, there's, there's things that you listen to, right? So like little cues, you know, little cues. It's really funny because I joke about this all the time and I might actually bring this up to Mercer if you ever, we ever had a conversation and I haven't watched recent shows, so I don't know if he still does it, but for whatever reason, he keeps a lot of his minis and indicators in a plastic bag. I've noticed that. Right by the mic. Like, like yeah. someone give him a box. Like, what is going on with this production staff? Give him a box, man. Like, why is it in a plastic bag? But I, it's, it's, it's not a big deal. Uh, I'm just, I'm a production person. So, like, I'm like, ah, like, whatever. But at the end of the day is you don't know that unless you watch it, right? So, first time I watched myself, the second time I watched my players, and the third time is kind of a run through through the thing. Because every time you do something, you don't get to look at all your players. I have the benefit now because I'm remote, so I do kind of see everyone's face, but you're still not looking at everybody every moment of the game. No. There are so many times where I say something and I do something. Four of the players are like, yeah, and that fifth player is left out. That fifth player looks sad. That fifth player looks Mm. despondent. Something I did triggered that. 
And if you don't know that, unless you can go back and watch it, which is why I say video record it, not audio, because you don't learn a lot from audio. You just listen to it and it's cool. Yeah. And you can listen to it and it's great. Um, but going back and actually watching the cues, things that you miss, like you're pushing really hard and you do something and it's, and it's whatever. Like, you know, there's another moment um, and I'll try to tap to tap dance on the line here. So one of my players, one of my races that I created was an Orakaith, right? So Friday okay. I play an Orakaith who is half orc, half, um, half orc, half Goliath. Okay. So it's, it's Orakaith race, race in Ukador, you know, it, they don't like each other. So, you know, most of the time the parents aren't, you know, willing, right? So his Goliath mom, you know, was attacked by this yeah. pirate, whatever, you know, he, then he came into the world, right? Um, coincidentally, my parents actually did fall in love with each other, but then they were kicked out of both of their clans. So they ended up being nomadic and totally different story. But so Eric, who plays in our current stream, has got the long beard. This is yep. for our pirate show. Um, he wanted to be my Orakaya. Cool. You can be an Orakaya ranger. You have all these really cool guns and you're like a sniper. Cool. It's amazing. Uh, and he has black tusks, which are very like out of place. Like, why are your tusks black? Right. And he come to find out that his father was called Black Tusk. And he was like one of the main pirates in this Orgul Bay. Mm -hmm. Level three, his dad is like level 10. And I'm like, guy, this is like way down the line. Stop being pushy. And I've had this frank conversation, but he kept in game, where is Black Tusk? I want Black Tusk. And he just kept yelling this in the tavern. I'm like, fuck, like I have to bring Black Tusk in now because you're calling him out. Like, so I brought Black, Black Tusk in um, and I accidentally one-shotted him. Let me explain. So I do have D and their D&D Beyond character sheets in front of me. Uh -huh. And if players do what they're supposed to do and they update their character sheet, I know about how many hit points they have. So I try to balance encounters for sure on the fly if, I, if it's too strong or whatever. I was trying to bring him to one hit point, but I misread his character sheet. I didn't refresh. Something happened. So I one-shotted him. Like Oof. literally, they took over his pirate thing and he just whack. And then poof, he just falls. But as he fell, and I don't know if you have to cut this out or not, but as he fell... I grabbed him by like his hair and I said, your mother put up a better fight. And I let him go. Oh, shit. Eric, Eric as a person was destroyed for like two weeks. He's like, dude, that fucked with me. He's like, I am Damn. not like, but it was, it was, but again, they come back to his like, wow, dude, like that, that was just, it set a precedent, right? Yeah. Like it, and, you know, I don't usually cross those lines too much. And I only do it for story if it's already been pre-okay, right? So if that yeah. was his background, that was his story, was his idea. I just said it out loud. That, that, that you do your due diligence, unlike some other person that we all yeah. know of that fucked that one up and he was an yes. asshole about but, it. But the, the thing that I didn't do is everyone else didn't know Eric's backstory. So when I go back and watch the footage, I see a couple people's faces like, oh, very surprised, caught off guard by this comment that I just mm -hmm. made that is mildly offensive depending on how you take it. For sure. So that I had to do damage control afterward, but I only had to do damage control because I'm the one who saw it and then I approached them. They yeah. never would have approached me. Yeah. And it took me a few weeks to even watch it because I was so busy with everything else. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, wow, I missed something monumental because I was looking at Eric and I was having this moment with Eric mm -hmm. 
and I ignored everybody else because that's the moment I was in. But, you know, going back and watching that footage, you're able to like pick up on that stuff. You're like, that's huge because that could ruin the, the chemistry you have at the table. That can ruin, ruin the trust. The player's like, I don't feel like I'm safe here anymore because we're, we're talking about topics I don't want to talk about. You know? Yeah, and, um, and, that's, yeah. and that's a thing, man. Like, especially, you know, and I've seen this on the, in the different community, in the, in the different community postings, I should say, rather. Yeah. Um, because obviously, like, you have the Fable 42 community. There's the D&D Coalition community. There's my community. There's a bunch of different communities that I've seen conversation where the general consensus is, especially during that session zero, like, hey, you clear certain things yeah, and that's it. But you also, in order to keep that story and to keep that kind of story pure, right. You have to go into certain areas that your players are okay with because there's not only the group, you know, consent, but there's the individual player consent that you have to abide by. So it's always that balance and it's always keeping that balance. Um, yeah communication at the end of the day and that's actually and and that's something that every i see a lot of i see a lot of folks that dm me saying that they they're lacking that in their groups so you as a dm what would be the first thing that you would tell and and this and i'll i'll wrap up this episode with this last question okay since communication is key how would you encourage a player who's very shy or timid or doesn't even know how to initiate the conversation um, with their dungeon master or with another player? Well, uh, as a, as a DM of players, not in a network, Mm -hmm. I would say um, you, you have those frank conversations. um, You have check-ins. So Mm -hmm. um, after every show, you know, we end the stream and then we keep talking for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, and you can kind of pick up if someone's uncomfortable or something at that point, cause it's fresh. And that's kind of, um, that's kind of like the point, right? You get it when it's fresh. You don't wait a few weeks, right? So you start talking, you start yeah. the conversation now. Mm-hmm. If you, if you at all ever sense anything ever, and if the verbal thing doesn't work, you shoot them a discord message or a private message or an email, however you communicate text um, to say, Hey, you know, I noticed that, you know, you were off or, you know, it didn't seem like you were excited or seemed like you were put off or something, you know, uh, always start with like, it's probably something I did. Um, and then they will either correct you or not correct you. Right. So like, yeah, yeah. when you do that thing, it didn't really feel good. Yada, yada, yada. Or now, nah, you know, my, my, my mom's dog died and I just kind of been out of it. Oh dude, I'm so sorry. That's yeah. still something that you need to know because they're a human being that you're interacting with. And yeah. D&D tables are not just friends playing D&D, man. Like, it, you guys become a family union. Like, you are yeah. really close. And sharing these things, because people need to share that, though. Because, like, if they're forced to do this game and you didn't know that, that's them not communicating with you prior. Because guess mm-hmm. what? Hey, Chris, my, my mom's dog died. I'm not really feeling it. Is it cool if I missed today's episode? Absolutely. Yeah. You don't have to come here. We'll cancel the show if we have to. No, you deal with what you got to deal with. That's the priority. You take care of yourself yeah. and your family. Yep. And that's it. And D&D second, right? Like it's a close second. Yeah. But it's a second, right? Like yeah. and that's the point. Is like they didn't feel like they could tell you. So you have to continually bro- broach the subject and be like, "Hey, 
how are you doing? So I also just do that weekly or biweekly, just check in like, hey, how, you know, how do you like the last couple episodes? Um, are you happy with the, story, the direction your story is going with? Do you feel like um, the things that you're looking for in a game are, are being met? You know, like mm. I, I know my players now because I've played with a lot of them for a while. For sure. Is, you know, I know certain players don't really like shopping and role play all the time. You know, they like to mix and match it with encounters or like political intrigue or something like that, right? So I know that I have to do jump scenes, right? Just if a bunch of players are at the shop and I can tell player, you know, one and two are bored and sitting in the tavern waiting for them to be done, I'll start a bar fight. Or, you know, I'll do something to engage them. So yeah. I'll do a cut scene. Well, while you guys are deciding, you know, what other items you want to get, you know, go ahead and get that list for me. Uh, and we'll be back to you in a few minutes. Back to the bar. Perception checks. Some dude stole something and now they're fighting. What do you guys do? And they're, they're, they're sitting like, like this. Fight? What? Boom! And then they just, they just jump in. It's completely ridiculous. Guards might come, you know, depending on how far they take it, right? Like, mm -hmm. if they just restrain the guy, cool. They punch him out, cool. They bring their axe out, eh, you're yeah. in jail. Like, now the other players come back and like, what the fuck happened? And that adds, <laughs> that just adds story elements to your thing. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't plan for that, but by golly gee, did that happen? But the beautiful part is us as a network now, um, every one of our shows has a third-party producer um, oh, nice. most of them are not in the game. Some of them are players because, you know, we can only be spread out so thin, but yeah. they are that point of interest. If someone doesn't want to come up to me and say, Hey, I don't really like what solo did, or they're not comfortable with the players. So we have a mediator essentially cool. that is in, kind of in charge of to kind of keep all the, all the DMS in check to keep all the players in check, but really just to be there as a person who's not invested in the story as a player anyway, or a DM, and then they can kind of convey those feelings and for the most part we're good um you know and we kind of i've been doing it a really long time and i watch all my shows and i and i know my hey so and so is not doing too hot you, know, you might go giving them a, a talk right you know i you know it, i am the founder of fable 42 and i am the creative director because that's what i do so now i kind of have fingers in all of the shows but still have the professionalism to kind of take a sidestep i'm like okay i'm not dm chris right now you know, I'm owner Chris saying, hey, I think we need to, to reevaluate what we're doing, right? Yeah. And that's, you know, and there's a couple of shows where I'm a player in where we're trying to like, you know, find the group and we've, we've done that. So like Adventures in Middle Earth is a perfect example. Yeah. I don't know if you ever played that. It's terrible. It's oh, amazing, dude. but it's terrible. It's, we have, it's, it's brutal. I think we're level four or maybe five. I can't remember. And we've had five or six player deaths yeah it's it's brutal dude you can't heal people nope there's no like resurrect you're dead right, nope. see you later so nope. we had a lot of disconnect with the players um a lot of the you know the fans were like eh, i don't know if i want to follow this because all my favorite players die and this is kind of like i don't know what's going on or i don't know who this person is and now i have to learn about a new person so it's very disruptive to have all these yeah. things so we talked a little bit we did a lot of metagaming but it's fine because, you know, Adventures of Middle Earth, there's like a fellowship phase. You guys take two months to do all these things, right? So yeah. we metagamed a lot of that. And like, okay, let's get to the thing. Okay, so we know that Chris is, uh, you know, he plays Baronor, who's a Dunedain uh, treasure hunter and has real issues with shadow creatures. So we know mm -hmm. if we see a shadow creature, I lost my hand, by the way. My hand was eaten off by a giant shadow spider and I almost died. And almost oh, killed dang. the whole party because I was playing to my character, right? Yeah. My character is a Dunedain, right? He's, you know, Aragorn, same mm -hmm. thing. Really hates evil things. 
I saw a really big evil spider. I played the character. Solo was like, don't do it. Don't do it. Baron was like, we're doing it. And I jumped yep. in, right? Yeah. Um, the, the players followed me in there. I technically died, but it was wound up. So I was like paralyzed and unconscious. Another player almost died, was paralyzed, unconscious. I lost a hand. So now I'm a ranged rogue with one hand. I have a lot of knives now and I learned how to play. I learned how to stab with my left hand, which is great for a story and I love it. And now I'm just like dagger, dagger, dagger. You know, I'm throwing daggers all the time. I literally have 15 daggers. Like if you look at my character art, it's ridiculous. I have daggers everywhere. Um, That's legit. But it's interesting now. Now I have one hand and I'm trying to like do this thing. But the point is, is like, so we metagamed and we talked about strengths and weaknesses. We got everything off of our chest. We had several powwows like, hey, you know, I didn't really like when you did that. I'm like, I hear you. Um, I'm playing to the character. So like, where can we meet? And like, I explained my reasonings like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Now that we did that, we also have character art now. I'm like, guys, I paid for character art. You can't die. Like, <laughs> yeah. but um, I'm like, if we, if someone dies, we'll just get more art. It's fine. But, um, but now we're this, we're a different family now. Now we're a cohesive unit that has a common goal and we're thinking alike now because we've had those powers, we've had those communications and there's, especially if it's a home game, dude, stop that game in a minute. Like things yeah. aren't going well, pause. All right, guys, what's going on? Like, let's talk about this now. You don't let it fester because every time it festers, it gets worse, man. We've had two big blowouts in Realms Bugador during breaks when players felt like they were being railroaded and they mm-hmm. felt like I was railroading them um, and then we kind of, we went back and we talked about it and it wasn't me. It was two of the other players were railroading the party because they were making decisions for the party because the party wasn't talking and whatever. There was so a then, miscommunication. You know, miscommunication. So yeah. I put them in an encounter that they shouldn't have gone to. And they're mm-hmm. very, this, this group in particular, like they always put themselves in situations and they think they can win every situation and you can't. So they came up with a really creative way to get out of this situation and we were all fine. And after the big powwows and we were good, but the problem is, is when you let it fester, if you let it fester too long, then your game's broken. Yeah. As a DM, everything that you've done for this story arc and for your campaign is gone. Yep. Yep. So you have to help facilitate that communication um, for themselves and for you. So like tell your players, man, go create a Facebook group or a, a discord group chat and you guys chat about me you can pre-game i, I ideally you don't pre-game and metagame too much i like to mm-hmm. see that on stream yeah. but if we're not streaming who cares like talk about it that's yeah, fine for sure and then when you come to the game you guys can do all your cool plans but then also have one with me in it so then we all can communicate right so like absolutely there's no reason you can't pause things and just like, okay, we need a break. Apparently like things are too hard. They're too harsh. Things are moving too fast people are confused. Emotions are flying because these are made up characters that we've invested a lot into yeah. even for the dungeon of madness. I killed 21 people and they Oops. spent a lot of time yeah. for their characters. And I told them before, don't get attached. Everyone's going to die. And everyone but three people died. So like, which is hard in fifth edition, man, because you yeah. you do become you you do become attached to them. But, dude, um, where can folks find you, man? If they, uh, like... I mean, yeah, all the social medias, Fabled Forty Two, uh, uh, you know, Twitch TV forward slash Fabled Forty Two. Um, uh, we have a website Fabled Forty Two that has all the all the information, the calendars, all the active shows. We have uh, live streams Monday, Wednesday, Friday. 
nights, Saturday mornings, Sunday nights. And now uh, starting in November, we're going to have a new Fallout game. Which oh, is nice. Saturday nights, which is called Vault 42, which is amazing. I like it. And if, and if, you're, and if you're a Fallout fan, we're actually starting on November 14th, which is Reclamation Day, which is just perfect. That so, is pretty sweet. I'm not going to lie. Uh, yeah, we have a lot of things going on. Um, you know, we have uh, Ugador Khan on the 15th to the 18th of October. Oh, um, sweet. Yeah, it's like right around the corner. You can still get, there's still community games you can join. All you need to do is just be a Patreon subscriber and then you get a ticket to play games with us. Um, you know, I'm, I'm playing games with Luke Gygax and a bunch of guys from Dwarven Forge next Friday for GaryCon, which is really cool. I'm very excited about that. Um, we got a lot of big things with Wounded Warrior Project that are coming out. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of things. We're moving quick. <laughs> it's hard to keep up. Um, I don't know when you're going to air this or not, but I do have a, uh, on Tuesday, I have a big unboxing with all the Rhyme of Frostmaiden. I have four of those bricks. So I have like 160 minis I'm going to unpack and I'll be giving away a bunch of them on Tuesday. Um, Holy yeah. crap. Yeah, I will definitely be on that one because of my <laughs> um, con. I, I, Again, I'm a purveyor of fine miniatures, my friend. So, dude, folks, these miniatures are so cool, man. They're dude, so cool. they are the 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 abom the I, I, the Yeti or whatever it is. Yeah. Like, do you want to see him? Yes, please. Actually, I would love to. <sighs> folks, actually, so he's getting the Yeti miniature right now, and for the folks just listening, he's having to climb <laughs> like a set of stairs, so to speak, to get his miniatures. Just Sorry, I was just narrating that you were climbing. You took like yeah, a... Yeah, it, it was a fourth, the third shelf. <laughs> so this is this giant salamander. Ooh. It's a frost salamander, which is really cool. I like that. But the Yeti, man. Damn. It's huge. I feel, like bad, for, I huge. feel bad for the folks for, who are just listening to this, but damn. This is... I mean, I, I didn't even realize it was this big. I thought it was just a large creature, but this is a huge creature. And I'm like, oh my God, it's amazing. But, you know, there's a lot of just really cool things. Um, I don't even know. Like, there's, oh, this is, this is my favorite one so far, actually. It's a, uh, a Goliath werebear. Oh, dang. That's legit. Yeah, it's like, I don't know if the focus is on it or not. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's a beautiful mini. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's amazing. He has an eye patch and, like, tribal teeth on him. I'm like, that's amazing. So you so you'll be doing that miniature giveaway uh, the following Tuesday. So actually, it should be up by then. So okay. no problem. And yeah, what I'll do Tuesday is I'll make the, what's the date on that? Yeah, the sixth. Yep, Tuesday the sixth at seven yep. p.m. Pacific. Okay, awesome. So I'll make sure um, I'll put the links in the description and everywhere below so that folks can see it and hear it. Um, but man, I appreciate it. Um, I appreciate you being on the show, brother. I really do. It's Thanks, been man. a long time since we've been on uh, on it together but life's busy so life's you know. crazy man it's, <laughs> yeah um, but, but you know we're, we're playing D and we're trying to build brands and you know one day this is all we'll do like one day we'll do big conventions and we'll all meet as like a, a congregation like i'm i'm so looking forward to that man like i keep i before covid and all this stuff like i i've been to several conventions and you never mm. see like huge groups of people right like, yeah. you know, Wizards had like six, you know, and like League of Legends didn't even have that many people, right? Yeah. Like a lot of people going to watch and look at things. But like Fable 42 is like, we have more than 42 people now, Fable 42. And like, 
even like the, the second extension, like I want like a hundred people. I want like a mob of the Fable 42 and extended communities all in one place. You know? Yeah, dude. Bearded Nerd, D&D Coalition, you know, Critical yeah, Dice. Yeah, actually just, all just got some new merch. One place. So. Ooh, that's nice. I like it. Yeah, man. Got the retro shirt. Uh, I had to test it out. It was my excuse <laughs> of just buying my shirt. And, and it's yeah. actually, I'm very surprised because I'm, I'm that extra thick size. So it's really comfy. But yeah, man, um, I pre- that's why I like having folks from the community because it's like-minded. Like, I want to be able to like, and, and, the, and I talk about this with the audience where like, I want to be able to like represent at a convention and have the crew, everyone come in because like the gaming table for me, at least it's a sacred space. It's a place where yeah. it's not only a safe space, but it's a sacred space where everyone from whatever background can come together, enjoy a game, but you, you really come together and you form a family. So when you can have that family, that extended family, like that's what community is about. So man, I appreciate you being on the show, folks. Please be sure to like and subscribe to Twitch uh, to Fable Forty Two on Twitch. Make sure that you um, also check out the website to check that calendar out and the schedule. Because yep. I know for a fact I'm the type of person that prints out calendars. I'm a little old fashioned that way. So I have a monster dry erase board with a calendar on it. So I'm right there with you. You know, it, 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 it'd be like that sometimes as the kids yeah. say nowadays, but be sure to follow them on social media. I know they're on Instagram. They're on everywhere. So be sure to follow them. The links are going to be down below. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to like, and subscribe to the podcast, leave a five-star review because not only does it help me gauge what you all like to hear, but it actually helps the bearded nerd grow. And it actually helps the D and D community grow from a podcast perspective. So when you leave that five-star review, Apple and Spotify and all the folks are like, Oh, people want to hear more D and D stuff. So it just brings the community together. But anyway, folks love you be safe. And as always keep gaming. Mm-hmm.